Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Lily asks, how did the Milky Way form? So this is a splendid question. Thank you, Lily. Let's go ahead and explore this. So first of all, well, what's the Milky Way? So you may have seen the Milky Way before. We're part of it. But at night, if you go somewhere where it's very dark, you can't do this in a city where there's lots and lots of light. But if you go out to the countryside and it's a nice clear night without a lot of clouds, you look up into the sky, you'll be able to see thousands of stars. But there's a region that you'll see. And this stretches like a path across the sky from one horizon to the other, where it just looks like there's a lot more stars. The sky is more crowded there. It's full of stars and it kind of looks a little fuzzy. And this is the Milky Way. Now to the ancient Greeks, they thought it looked kind of like somebody spilt milk across the sky which is where the name Milky Way comes from. But different cultures all over the world have had lots of really different and fun explanations and stories and myths about what the Milky Way is. Actually, one of my favorites was a speculation that some of the ancient Greeks had was that the Milky Way was a previous path that the sun had taken through the sky. I thought that was a really clever idea, right? Now, today, we know that what the Milky Way is, is it's actually our galaxy. So galaxies are huge, huge collections of lots and lots of stars, lots of planets and black holes and clouds of gas and dust and probably the stuff that we call dark matter. So you could think of galaxies kind of like forests or like cities in space where most of space is is empty but there's areas that are denser there's areas where there's a lot of stuff compared to all that emptiness that's held together by gravity now when we think of galaxies normally we think of this sort of spiral disk shape but when you look at the milky way from earth you look up and it looks like a like a big stream or this just this stretch across the sky like a road going across the sky well that's because we're actually inside of our galaxy and so we are just seeing part of it kind of like when you're inside of your own body and you don't have a mirror or camera you can see parts of your body like your hands and your arms and if you look down maybe you can see your you know, your legs and your chest, but there's other parts of your body you can't see. You can't see your own face or the back of your head or the your back, right? Unless you're really, really flexible. If you're way more flexible than me, maybe you can. But the point is that there's a lot of ourselves from the inside that we can't see. So we've never actually been outside of the Milky Way because it is huge. There are hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way. And 
We don't know exactly how many stars there are. Some estimates have as few as 100 billion, some estimates more like 400 billion. So usually I use a number kind of in the middle around 250 billion stars in the Milky Way. And there's lots and lots of brown dwarfs. For every regular star, there's several brown dwarfs. There's probably multiple planets, if not dozens of planets. And of course, just these areas of lots and lots of material that either used to be stars or is going to be stars in the future areas where stars are being born. So since we've never been outside of the Milky Way, one of the main ways that we have to study galaxies and to study the Milky Way is to study other galaxies. Because when we look out, we see lots of stars, right? Now, cosmically speaking, those stars are pretty close to us. But if we look past those stars, we can see into that emptiness of space and beyond very far away. And we're talking usually millions or billions of light years away, we see these other islands of light. You could think about them as other cities or other forests full of their own stars and planets and black holes and all of that stuff. And when we look out, we see hundreds of billions of these galaxies. There's a few you could actually see just with your own eyes. So if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you'll be able to see Andromeda Galaxy. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you'll be able to see the small and large Magellanic Clouds, which are actually other galaxies, which are quite close to our galaxy. Most of them though, really, really far away. So one of the cool things about space is that the farther away we look, the further back in time we're actually looking. And this is because light travels at a speed limit. Light, although it seems instant to us, it isn't actually instantaneous. It goes really, really, really fast, but there's a limit to how fast it can go. And so that means it takes time for light to get to us. So if something is one light year away, then by the time we see the light, a whole year has passed since that light was released. So we see it the way it was a year ago in the past. Now, if something is a billion light years away, that means we're looking back when we see the light from it a billion years into the past. So when we wanna study how galaxies have developed and changed over time and make guesses about our own galaxy from that, say, okay, well, these other galaxies did this, right? The other galaxies did, did A, B, and C. Therefore, it's likely that the Milky Way did A, B, and C as well. Well, we just have to keep looking farther and farther away. But here's the challenge. It's really hard to see far away, right? So we need bigger and bigger telescopes in order to do that. Because the bigger the telescope is, the more light it can collect and the more light, the more details it can collect. And sometimes we're trying to catch just a tiny, tiny amount of light that has been traveling across the vastness of the cosmos for literally 10 billion years or even 13 billion years. Now we think that for the Milky Way, we have to go that far back in time 
So that means to study what the Milky Way was like, again, we can't study the actual Milky Way 13 billion years ago, but we can study other galaxies and guess about it, right? In the same way that you know you were a baby once, right? But you're not a baby anymore. So we can't look and study you, but we could look at other babies and learn a little bit about what you were like when you were a baby by studying the babies that exist right now. I know that's a little bit strange, but it's the same idea, right? So there is a telescope that we launched into space recently, which is called the James Webb Space Telescope. This is the largest telescope we've ever launched into space. But the other thing that's really special about it is it's an infrared telescope. So it uses a kind of light that humans don't actually see, but the light is still there and can still have a lot of information. And one of the things that happens is that given how far away we wanna look, as the light has been traveling for the past 13 some billion years, well, that light has gotten stretched out and stretched out and it's stretched all the way to the point where it's become infrared. So we need special telescopes to see that far back into the past. And what we can do is we can study how galaxies developed. Now, here's where it gets really cool. We always assumed that, well, galaxies are big. So something like the Milky Way is very big. So it probably started as something smaller, right? So small galaxies probably got pulled together by gravity. Gravity maybe just started by forming some little galaxies by pulling together some stars. And then those galaxies came together to make bigger galaxies that then merged with other ones and made bigger and bigger galaxies. Well, we made a discovery with the James Webb Space Telescope that shows some really, really big galaxies that formed very quickly in the universe. So shortly after the Big Bang, there were these really big galaxies. And because we found those, that suggests to us, so it makes us think that maybe we are wrong about how galaxies form. Maybe big galaxies don't form from little galaxies merging together into bigger and bigger galaxies because we've found examples that are too big for that, that exist way too early on. So now scientists are kind of back to the drawing board, wondering how could galaxies form that quickly? So one idea is that when the universe was young, everything was closer together. The universe has been expanding and expanding, and there's been more and more space being created, more and more space between things. But if we go back into the early days, everything was a lot closer together. And probably there were areas where there just randomly was just a little bit more stuff, right? If you ever try this, if you are playing outside and you pick up, say, a handful of sand or dirt or something like that, 
and you throw it up. Now make sure you don't do this into the wind because you don't want to get it into your eyes or someone else. So you throw it where nobody is and watch how that sand or that dirt falls onto the ground. Randomly, you'll see that there's some spots that got a little bit more dirt and other spots that didn't get quite as much. It's just a little bit kind of clumpy. Most of it is spread out pretty evenly, but there'll be some clumps of more dirt and some clumps of less dirt. Well, we think that maybe stuff, just matter, was like that in the early universe, that there were just areas of more stuff. And that stuff eventually became stars and nebulae and black holes and things like that. And gravity held them together. But Lily, right now, this is one of those areas that we're exploring and looking for answers in. And as we get bigger and better telescopes and more smart minds thinking about these problems, we learn more. And so maybe we'll have to come back to this conversation in five years and maybe we'll have a different answer. In 10 years, maybe we'll have even more information and we'll be able to say with more certainty how we think the Milky Way and galaxies developed way, way back in the beginning of the universe. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us here on the podcast, learning about space and science together. If you have any questions that you would like us to talk about or any topics you'd like us to talk about here on the podcast, please have your folks send it into the email in the description. And as always, my friends, I hope you have dark skies and remember to stay curious.